2: This is Bloomberg Sound
3: On. This is historic progress, pulling our economy out of the worst crisis in a hundred years.
4: The key to the new innovation, technology, is actually coming from the oil and gas
3: industry. How much money do we need for a rural broadband? How much money do we need for bridges?
2: Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights.
5: Wages will continue rising until those supply constraints ease up. President
6: Biden's economic plan is certainly working. The investments in the American rescue plan into childcare are being impactful. Bloomberg
1: Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Live from Washington, thanks for meeting us here at the threshold of the weekend, Jobs Day. The numbers were better than expected. Coming up, we'll talk about the June report with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. And we'll hear a reaction from Congressman Kevin Brady, Republican from Texas, ranking member on the Ways and Means Committee. Later, we'll also connect with Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz for the latest in Surfside, Florida. And thank you for spending part of your Friday with us. The start of what I hope is a long weekend for you. President Biden was feeling the holiday spirit when he reached the podium this morning. Take a victory lap on jobs.
3: This morning we learned that in June, our economy created 850,000 jobs. 850,000 jobs. Wages went up for American workers.
1: Three-tenths of a percent, to be exact. And the president pointed to more growth on the way,
3: we're going to create jobs repairing roads and bridges, replacing 100% of our nation's lead water pipes, making our power grid more reliable, delivering high speed internet to every American home, rural and urban.
1: Referring, of course, to the infrastructure deal that he's pursuing, though Biden made clear that post COVID growth is
3: accelerating. In February, the Congressional Budget Office projected 2021 economic growth would be 3.7 percent. Yesterday, they doubled that number to 7.4 percent, in large part thanks to the American Rescue Plan and our work to defeat the virus. The last time the economy grew at this rate was in 1984, and Ronald Reagan was telling us it's morning in America. Well, it's getting close to afternoon here. The sun is coming out. Yeah, it is
1: actually. So, afternoon in America, is that the line now? Works pretty well for this show. And we're joined to talk about the jobs report. Now, where the job market might be heading from here with the Labor Secretary, Marty Walsh. Welcome back, Secretary, to Bloomberg Radio.
6: Thanks for having me today.
1: Better than expected is the headline. 850,000 jobs does this mean people are becoming more comfortable going back to work or is it higher wages? I see a three tenths increase for the month.
6: Well, I, I think there's a, a lot of factors here for uh, first and foremost, this is a good, good, solid report. Um, I think it shows a few things. Number one, it shows that President Biden's economic plan is certainly working. Um, it shows that the investments in the American rescue plan into child care ha- have been are being effect impactful. It means that the vaccination push that the president has been doing around the country uh, is also working. I was in Indiana last week, and I was um, you know, advocating on behalf of getting people vaccinated. Um, it shows that people are feel, definitely feeling more confident about entering to the workforce. Um, it The steady wage growth is actually obviously good for workers. Um, and also, we haven't um, seen an uptick in job searches due to states' Threatening or cutting unemployment benefits early, so we haven't seen any of that. There's no, there's no, there's no proof of that. Um, on the other side, there's a little bit of an other side here. Um, we are, we're still facing inequities. Uh, unemployment rates in the communities of color and women remain essentially unchanged. Our unemployment rate in the black community is 9.2 percent. Our unemployment rate in the Hispanic community is 7.4 percent. So it shows this report shows that. Uh, this is not a time to let up. Now we need to continue to to double down and continue to push forward and and, and get the get continue to get the virus under control, so that or, or not to see an expansion of the vi- or see the, expan- the virus uh, grow. Um, that that, will, that makes the big difference here in our, in our
1: economy, moving us forward. Moody's Analytics projected 2.4 million jobs in the second quarter. We're about. Six hundred eighty thousand jobs below that number a lot of companies as you know secretary say they can't fill open positions so what is the answer to that if if it's not ending unemployment benefits is it waiting until students go back to school in september how do we fill all these openings
6: no i i think that the answer that was not really an answer but the comment i have to that question is the fact that we're still living in a pandemic period um You know, this is unlike anything we've ever ever experienced, Um, at least in modern history. Um, You can't compare this to a recession. Um, You're talking about, you know, people who were impacted by the virus, uh, people that might have side effects from the virus. Uh, 604,000 Americans lost their life due to the virus. Uh, So I think we're trying to to find um, the right formula and the right numbers to talk about, but I, I still think that the virus is still having an impact here. Um, but I think as we move forward, this report shows uh, that, that we've seen uh, a, a few more women going into the workforce this month than in the past, but still not to the level that we need in debate. Uh, so there's still work to be done.
1: We've heard at least anecdotal evidence of more people triggering retirement, maybe a couple of years before they had planned in the long term because of COVID, getting back to the impact of the pandemic, Secretary. Can you speak to us about that? How many people are retiring early?
6: I don't. I don't know. I don't have the numbers, but Obviously, it makes it could make sense in a lot of cases. Uh, but I mean, who? I, I don't have the number. I you know a lot of people have been working from home for the past year. And if if you're an older person and, and you're eligible to, to get a retirement or you have a savings, people might be making that decision. But I don't have actual number. I have to look, get back to you on that one.
1: Speaking of wages, the Fed's Beige Book uh, survey recently pointed to a contact in Boston of all cities that referred to a thirty percent pay raise in one case. Is that the kind of movement that we need to see to get people back?
6: I don't, I don't necessarily think across the board, but wage wage increase and wage growth is good for workers. So uh, I will advocate for that uh, any every day, all day. Uh, I think that, you know, workers, uh, you know, we, we need to, the president has been very clear on, on strengthening the middle class and building back better in the one of the central themes around building back better is, is is creating a stronger middle class and allowing people to get into the middle class and and you know m- many families uh, the, the, their wages do not allow them the opportunity to to get into the middle class and I think that anything that we can do to to, to encourage that and boost that certainly we're going to be pushing that and also in the CARES economy uh, package there, there's money in there for for job training, apprenticeship programs, um, you know, people's ability right to organize. So all of that is on the table to try and get people uh, paid better wages and allow them the opportunity to to be able to support their family and, and, you know, and be comfortable.
1: We're talking with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh on Bloomberg Radio. We've been talking about the infrastructure plan a lot. Secretary, you and I talked about it last week. That plan, President Biden's plan, is promising many more jobs, many in construction, many in the building trades. Do you have a sense of, of how large that incoming job pool might be? How do you fill all those openings when we're having trouble restoring jobs from before the pandemic?
6: Well, it's going to be key that we have training with that. And when you think about this, is a, this is an opportunity for us to create a whole generation of, of young people to go into a skilled trade to be able to raise their family, earn good good wages and good living. The, the infrastructure plan will be spent over the next 10 years. So it's not like it all hits the street the same day. So we, we are really gonna have to focus on making sure that our apprenticeship programs and our job training programs are, are ready for uh, the ability to train lots of people for these industries. And then there's gonna be a spinoff as well, as you know, in, in our old city, uh, you build a bridge and around that bridge, you can create a new neighborhood and there's opportunities for us to be able to do that uh, all across America. So I think that, you know, job training is going to be key to that. Uh, But also we will have the workforce. It's a matter of having people think about what what their future might be. Right now we have, you know, millions of, of young people in high school all across America. We can go into those high schools and talk about going into the trades as an opportunity that there's a pathway. So young people's pathway can be, a pathway to college or a pathway to a career.
1: For those who don't know, he's of course the secretary is referring to the great city of Boston and Secretary Walsh. I wonder if you're heading home for the holiday weekend.
6: Uh, yeah, I, well, actually, I'm going to uh, Philadelphia today, uh, and I'm going to be in New Jersey uh, doing some uh, doing some stops. To be able to talk about, uh, you know, vaccines and and a whole bunch of different things. So, but I I will be, I'll be, uh, I'll be around the house sometime this weekend before it's over. All
1: right, this is good because you know Bloomberg is deployed at Tanglewood right now for the Boston Pops. We're going to be on Boston Common for the fireworks, and I just wonder if you have a message for our listeners in Boston for this Fourth of July.
6: Yeah, enjoy it. Uh, You know, put my old hat on. Be safe. Be responsible. Don't be drinking. (laughs) <laughs> all the messages that I'd be saying if I were the mayor, but enjoy, enjoy the city. The city of Boston is, is great. And, and if you're in Tanglewood, enjoy the pops. They're, they're amazing. And next year, hopefully uh, we'll be able to reunite everyone back at the Esplanade.
1: I like the sound of that. I'll meet you there, Mr. Mayor. I didn't call you, you mayor the whole time until now.
6: I love it. I'll see you there next year.
1: Secretary Marty Walsh. Thanks for being with us here on Bloomberg sound on and happy Fourth. Thanks, Joe. looking forward to being there. Wish I was there this weekend, to tell you the truth. But that's why, you know, watch it on Bloomberg. Looking inside this report, big increase for leisure and hospitality. One of the highlights here, 343,000 jobs added, more than half in restaurants and bars, as I read on the terminal. Hotels and other accommodations added about 75,000 jobs, as did arts, entertainment and recreation entities. So, yeah, we're reopening. People are getting out. Local and state government education employment increased by quite a bit 230,000, retail up 67,000. When's the last time you were in a shopping mall? Strong growth in clothing and merchandise stores. And as I also read on the terminal from Bloomberg's Lisa Bromowitz, of course, you watch every morning, listen every morning on surveillance, the headline Extra benefits are not holding back the economy. Lisa writes, with overall employment appearing to bounce back, the argument by some politicians that overly generous enhanced jobless benefits are impeding the recovery is losing steam. Moreover, she writes, the extra cash will turn out to be a good thing in the long run. We're going to get reaction on all of this coming up from the top Republican on the House Ways and Means Committee. Stay right here. Bloomberg Sound On. Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas is on the way in next. Stay with us. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with a proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large size companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
2: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew
1: on Bloomberg Radio. It was the biggest indicator of the month, the June jobs report. And after discussing it with Secretary Marty Walsh a few minutes ago, we bring in Congressman Kevin Brady now, Republican from Texas, to talk about this and the potential impact of rising taxes. Welcome back, Congressman, to Bloomberg Radio. Good to see you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Happy Jobs Day. I want to start by asking you about the jobs report this morning. I know you were bracing for a disappointing number. We got stronger than expected uh, positions, 850,000. Is, is that encouraging you to see things move in this direction?
4: We certainly needed better jobs reports in April and May, which were really discouraging. Um, So, yes, uh, obviously, this is sort of a a summer of stimulus. I think we're going to see these numbers. A couple things, though, worry me. One, long term unemployment got worse. Unemployment for all minorities and the less skilled got worse. The president, right now, even with the June numbers, is about 700,000 jobs short of what he promised at this point. And I still worry we have a lot of workers still on the sidelines, they're not coming off. And wages went up, which I think is a good sign, but prices have been increasing faster than that every month this year. So we'll know those numbers a little later uh, here in July. So there's some troubling signs that I still, I think this jobs recovery can be surging much, much better than
1: this. I just spoke a short time ago with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh and asked him about the, the prospect of increased unemployment benefits keeping people from re-entering the workforce, which is something that we've heard about quite a lot. He says there's no evidence of that. And there are a lot of reasons from child care to people recovering from COVID, getting over fears to return to the office. Do you think he's right about that?
4: No, he's in absolute denial. And even Secretary Yellen the other day from the Ways and Means Committee acknowledged, these are real problems. In fact, her answer was, you know, states are starting to get off it. And by the way, they're gonna expire soon. So it shouldn't be a problem much longer. But you you ask anyone back home, and, and most most people can see this in their own community, those unemployment benefits in half the states still are paying almost half of Americans more to stay home than to work. And so, look, they're not lazy. They're just getting rewarded to not search for that job. And it's a it's a real problem for our
1: recovery. Do you expect then a surge of workers to come back after Labor Day?
4: I think you're going to start to see, I think you're starting to see in the July jobs report, especially in those Republican states that ended those extra bonuses, federal bonuses on unemployment. You're going to see those uh, improving much faster than the other states in the interim. Uh, But after that, yes, absolutely. I think it's going to encourage people to reconnect to their jobs. And look, you just have to go into restaurants that are half open. Businesses are telling you, including the supply chains, they just can't find the workers they need to man the production line. So, that's driving inflation, slower deliveries. It's, it is a real problem.
1: Congressman, more than 100 countries have endorsed a global minimum tax. As ranking member of Ways and Means, I need to ask you about this, and I know that you're not a fan of this idea. You called this a giant surrender for the U.S. Wouldn't this, though, level, or at least attempt to level the playing field for multinational companies?
4: So, no, and here's why. One, President Biden's proposing a global minimum tax in America. That's almost seventy five percent higher than the ones they're asking from the rest of the world. Uh, that means you're going to see big incentives to move jobs investment overseas. Secondly, it's a concession from the President that the corporate tax rates he's seeking is going to make America less competitive and sort of begging our our global competitors can you help us out a bit? And I think the final point here is this is really premature. There are a lot of countries that are not signing on. Uh, to this global minimum tax. So far from a done deal. Secondly, the whole goal of this too is to make sure other countries can't levy a digital services tax. In other words, target American companies and our tax base. And there's a number of major countries, including all of Europe, who says we're not going along with that deal. We're gonna gonna do the global tax and we're going to take a piece of the American tax base. So I'm just, and this has to go through Congress I think this is a long way from a done deal.
1: Well, I suspect that uh, it'll come before your committee, uh, right? Does the Republican Party have a plan to block this?
4: Yes, we do. In fact, we have a plan that we're implementing right now to block these crippling tax increases on job creators, investors, uh, working families. And and I'll tell you right now, I believe uh, we will have the votes to block tax increases moving forward from the Biden administration. So I just think more and more people understand working our way out of the pandemic, making America one of the least competitive uh, countries on the planet, taxing job creators, discouraging local uh, investment, man, that's going to hurt our long-term economic growth.
1: I don't want to get too cute, Congressman, but if you were able to block a proposed 28% or say 25% corporate tax rate in Congress, wouldn't 15 be better than that? So
4: wouldn't 15% on our corporate rate be better or a global minimum tax?
1: On a, on, a, on a global minimum tax, assuming that you can block a U.S. tax rate of 28%, makes 15 sound pretty good, doesn't it?
4: Well, we already have a global minimum tax here in the United States. It is on paper 10% in real life, 13 uh, And so that is, has already made us competitive. So regardless of what the global minimum tax is around that area, you really haven't made much changes. What you should look for, though, in the international tax changes we're seeing from the Biden administration, as I view them, in effect, they they make it easier for a foreign company and foreign workers to compete and win than an American company and American workers. It reverses the gains we made in competitiveness, jobs and research under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And so when you look at the bigger picture, I think you're driving not just slower growth, but a giant sucking sound of jobs and investment out of the United States and nobody should want that.
1: I haven't heard that line in a while, Congressman. I've got to ask you about our OPEC meeting that's underway just while you're here. Oil supplies are tight, we know that. It looks like we're not gonna get much of a deal or at least much of an increase if there is one. The market is predicting a hundred dollars a barrel. Do you think we're going there and if that's the case, is it time to unlock shale in Texas?
4: It is and it is. Um, uh, look, this this no surprise. Uh, The energy industry was warning last year during all the COVID and then the the shutdowns and shut-ins and lock-ins that this was going to happen, that we weren't going to be able to ramp up fast enough to meet this global demand. It's exactly what's happening right now. But the the other thing that's happened since, obviously, the president on the Keystone Pipeline, the effort now to uh, to either pause or shut down oil and gas leasing on federal lands, Uh, the 11 uh, major tax increases on American energy, We are getting less uh, energy independent and unfortunately uh, relying more on folks like Russia and their imports. And so I just think we're headed the wrong direction on energy and pricing is part of it.
1: Congressman Kevin Brady is ranking member Ways and Means. Thanks for joining us on Bloomberg and have a great Fourth of July.
4: You too, Joe. Thank you.
1: I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
2: Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 11.30, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is
1: Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. Live in Washington, where the city is preparing for a big holiday bash this weekend. It is a very different feeling today, though, in Surfside, Florida, following the tragic building collapse. And now the possibility of a hurricane? Coming up, we'll talk about it with Congressman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who is there. The news from Florida today has been tough. 20 people are now confirmed dead, and there are new concerns that search and rescue efforts could be interrupted by an approaching storm. Joining us to talk about it is Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Democrat from Florida, who traveled with the president on his visit there yesterday and is still in Surfside. Welcome, Congresswoman, to Bloomberg Radio.
7: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you.
1: I know this has been another very difficult day for victims' families and for the crews who are searching. And my heart goes out to the firefighter whose daughter was found today and their entire family and I know that you're now facing a potential storm this weekend. How would Hurricane Elsa impact this whole operation?
7: Well, I mean, you're you're right, uh, and so the loss of a child, um, and this is the third child that has been found uh, since uh, since the building collapsed, um, is is absolutely horrific. But you know, it goes without saying that every night since last Wednesday has been um, immensely difficult for everyone. Particularly the impacted families, and you know there have been so many obstacles that have been thrown in the path of these really heroic search and rescue uh, brothers and sisters uh, on that pile. Um, They've had fires, they've had torrential rain. Now we have a hurricane potentially that is going to at least skim South Florida, if not hit us. And so every time they have to stop operations because we can't jeopardize their safety is, uh, you know, it's just a, another heartbreak for these families because obviously time is of the essence.
1: I heard you speak earlier, Congresswoman, about President Biden as, as consoler in chief. Uh, he said on his visit, several families mentioned to him climate change, that they were worried before this tragedy about rising sea level, about flooding around these buildings. How much of a factor is that in coastal Florida? And what measures do you think are needed to keep this from getting worse?
7: Well, we, we don't know the cause of this collapse, and that's why the National Institute for Standards and Technology, a federal agency that is like the National Transportation Safety Board for construction disasters, um, is taking a, a full investigation to really examine factually how this happens. Um, but we've known for a long time that we have, you know, beach erosion, we have saltwater intrusion here, we, we have sea level rise, and that has very significant impacts both on our weather patterns as well as, uh, as, as well as how we live our daily lives. And so making sure that we invest in coastal resiliency is important regardless of the, the cause of this, uh, of this tragedy.
1: Understood, and I want to be careful about drawing any any lines right. between this and, and anything else that we don't know about. But how about local right. building codes? Is is that a local matter, or does the federal government and you, as a legislator, play a role in that?
7: Well, there are going to be, there there's a, uh, certainly will be local and state investigations into how this tragedy happened, and then you have the federal investigation from NIST, the agency I just talked about, and so those those investigations will need to get to the bottom of both. How this happens, which is what NIST does, and they don't find fault they, they look for facts. and then you know we're also going to have to see you know where you know, where the cascading uh, responsibility was that is likely the, the, the cause likely to in, in my I have a sense that it's likely not one particular thing but a, a, an accumulation of, of causes. and then you get down to the hard work of legislating, changing local ordinances, state law, and federal law, which is what NIST is uh, the NIST examination will do, will help us determine. Um, you know, ultimately, I do expect that we will have to make changes to how buildings are construct- constructed and also how they are inspected and the requirements for refurbishment. Um, that, that We just have to make sure. This is an unprecedented tragedy, one that doesn't have comparison. I have no one... In, my, in Congress to, to, to go and talk to, to see how they might have handled you know, the, the disaster in their district because this has never happened. And so making sure that we deal with an unprecedented tragedy and, and look carefully at, at whether or not this could happen anywhere else in the country, particularly along our coastline, which is dotted with condominium buildings just like this one, is going to be critical to make sure this is, this is the only instance in which this ever happens in the United States.
1: Congresswoman, I was struck watching President Biden on that same visit sit side by side with Governor DeSantis, their spouses in the room, speaking collaboratively about what's going on here. And I just I wonder if there's a lesson to be learned there or if you two were encouraged by watching partisanship be be dropped in this moment. So federal government and state government and, and two different parties could work together on this.
7: There's no question. I was uh, I was part of that meeting, and like from day one, uh, when I flew down after hearing about the, the the tragedy, and locked arms with my colleagues across the aisle at the local, uh, state, and and national level. From my perspective, we've all been saying very clearly and out loud, even though we don't agree on much of anything else across party lines, that we are taking a whole of government, seamless approach. To responding to this crisis, and that we are going to solely focus on one: the search and rescue; two, the 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 families, both the survivor families as well as those who have family members lost in the building; and then, you know, getting to the bottom of how this how this could happen. And so, it was heartening to to be in the room. You know, I had a chance to fly down on Air Force One with the president and talk to him about exactly how well we were working together when you know in the midst of so much toxicity, it is really wonderful that we've been able to put that partisanship aside and focus on taking care of the people that elected us to represent them.
1: Yeah. Well, we prefer to talk about policy over politics on this program, and it's worth noting when moments like that happen. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, thank you very much for taking time out of the day. You're in our thoughts on this holiday weekend, along with all of the families who are at the scene there. My best to everyone in your
7: community. Thank you so much. And I would ask that you stick with us because we're going to need to make sure because this is such a unique tragedy that we keep a spotlight on this so that we can make sure it never happens again.
1: We will be here, Congresswoman. Thank you again. Thank you. And thank you for spending some time with us on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, and we will keep tabs on the whole situation in Florida as it's the right thing to do With America preparing to celebrate the holiday coming up this weekend. Coming up, we're going to put all this together, talk about everything that we have heard over this hour. This has been a heck of an hour with Bloomberg politics contributors, Jeannie, she and Zeno and Rick Davis will be here as well. Going back to that jobs report this morning, we'll hear them react to what we heard from Secretary Walsh and Congressman Brady as well. Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz and look ahead to what we have in store Next week in the world of politics, getting pretty quiet around here in Washington. It might just be me and Brick by the time we're done. Wait, brick has gone too. Stay here. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. and your unique company, Demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
6: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew
1: on Bloomberg Radio. Well, you made it to Friday. Thanks for joining us here at the end of the week. As we hear from Charlie Pellet on the markets and look ahead to the 4th of July, Big news today, as we've been talking about here on Bloomberg Sound On, when it comes to jobs, a better-than-expected reading for the month of June. We talked about it earlier with Labor Secretary Walsh, a little bit after that reaction from Congressman Kevin Brady to get the Republican take on things, and that, of course the ranking member of Ways and Means disappointed in the rate of growth. And we're joined right now by Bloomberg Politics contributors Shi Sheehan, Zeno, and Rick Davis for insights on everything that we've heard. Great to have both of you back with us today, of course. Rick, I'd like to hear from you first as a Republican, having listened to both the administration on jobs, then from the congressman uh, on jobs, the congressman from Texas. This was a better-than-expected number, 850,000. But we're still falling short of the projected rate of growth. Are you taking this as good news? Or are you worried about the direction of this job market?
8: You know, I think it's a cautionary tale. I think the job market is uh, very perplexing right now. I mean, uh, the 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 labor secretary Congressman Brady, we're kind of at odds over like what impact the unemployment benefits are having mm-hmm. with the job market. And so let's just take that out of the equation, because I would actually challenge uh, uh, Congressman Brady to come back on the show at the end of uh, July and see whether or not these Republican states that didn't add the uh, unemployment benefit actually did better on their job numbers than yeah. the other states that did. Because, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a canard. The job market is changing. Uh, there's no question that there's all kinds of different things going on. I mean, while we're celebrating this number and it's, it's a good number, uh, Joe Biden was looking for a, a, a good number that he could uh, promote his uh, infrastructure plan around and he got one, but at the same time, actually uh, people who applied for unemployment went up and these were people who voluntarily left their jobs. So right. what is going on in the job market today?
1: Well, there's a lot of questions uh, to answer there, Jeannie, and it's one of these cases where a higher unemployment rate was actually considered good news because, uh, you know, as, as Rick is indicating, it suggests more people have gotten off the couch, have left their house and started looking actively for work.
5: It does, which is a good sign. And I have to say, I'm glad to be talking to the last two men standing in Washington, D.C., <laughs> while everybody else is off for the weekend. I'm kidding, of course. Um, no, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it, I thought your co- both of those conversations were so interesting, as you and Rick were just talking about the juxtaposition. And I think Republicans, particularly those on Ways and Means, who released this, this news release before the report came out yesterday saying, you know, for President Joe Biden, the June report is make or break because he, he did. And he arguably had to do underwhelming jobs reports. And yet when this report came out, they had a bit of eggs on their face because, of course, the news was seen as a relatively good sign. You know, a year out of the pandemic, it is, you know, a lot more stable than I think a lot of people would have thought it would have been. And so the president was able to take a little bit of a mild victory lap there. Mm -hmm. But I, I agree with what Rick is saying. There's a lot of questions to be asked and answered on this point
1: this is part of the the jobs reports are are something rick because there really is something in it for everyone kind of no matter how obviously you can have extremely bad or or very very good reports but something like this you can find a way to complain about it you can find something to celebrate that's there's just so many numbers and so many different angles you remember advising uh, senator john mccain and i'm sure other republican lawmakers would say, okay, look, let's find the, where's the, where's the friction in this thing? I know the headline number is good, but there's, is there not always something to complain about? And I'm asking you that as we try to cut through the talking points here.
8: Yeah. So often uh, elected officials want to uh, uh, try to put the best light on, on a, on a day like today, right? And nobody wants to run down the economy. Uh, I think universally, both parties actually want to declare victory that we've come out of uh, the uh, uh, COVID crisis and and that we're moving the country forward. There's no question the economic numbers overall support that. But I would say this is a uh, an indicator of a larger battle looming. Uh, you pivoted very quickly uh, with Congressman Brady in today's discussion into taxes, because the reality is, regardless of what happens with the jobs numbers, uh, we have a big fight coming up on taxes. And, and what is going to be uh, uh, something that the uh, Biden administration can pass. And there are a lot of Democrats who are nervous about this debate going into a big mid mid midterm election in 2022. And I think that's—so so everybody's sort of positioning from the jobs debate to have either leverage or lose leverage with a big tax debate that's coming.
1: And you've got infrastructure here that will create jobs, according— to the president, he talked about this, building charging stations, genie, of course, repairing roads, bridges and tunnels. But how do you fill those jobs if workers aren't showing up?
5: Well, that's the, that's the question, right? And I think one of the things I've heard, as as we've listened to Secretary Walsh um, today, been interviewed a few times on Bloomberg, he has made the case that, at least in my mind, that the jobs numbers we get this fall are going to be a real indicator. He keeps pointing to those September, October numbers and what happens once, for instance, schools are back at 100%, hopefully, yeah. and open, and what happens to the labor force there. Of course, also, that's the same time Time when we're going to see this 300 plus relief. Uh, these these uh, these relief uh, is going to end in most places. And so they are betting a lot in my mind on what happens in September and October. The same time, we're likely to see these votes on these big infrastructure bills. Mm-hmm. And a lot of questions are going to have to be answered at that point.
1: President Biden was asked about a couple of other things in this news conference. Afghanistan was one of them, the drawdown. And he didn't want to go too far into that. said so he'd have more to discuss next week. But then COVID came up in the 4th of July. We got to this a little bit earlier in the week. You know, you think back to where we've been here. You think about the Trump administration's attempts to say, you know what, we beat it. We're good. Let's get everybody together. I think it was Easter at that point. Well, here we are on the 4th of July, a year later, and there are going to be a bunch of families, military families on the South Lawn of the White House. There are going to be people on the mall. There are going to be people in backyards and town centers all over the country. And the question was for the president, are you worried you could be starting another super spreader? I
3: am concerned that people who have not gotten vaccinated have the capacity to catch the variant and spread the variant to other people who have not been vaccinated. I am not concerned there's going to be a major outbreak, in other words, that we're going to have another epidemic nationwide but I am concerned lives will be lost
1: lives will be lost rick davis is there a political liability here what kind of risk is the president facing by encouraging everyone to get together and barbecue and have hot dogs this weekend
8: yeah i always was worried about like losing a finger from a firecracker <laughs> lives will be yeah. lost if i go to a barbecue um, i don't think that's what look, meant. i mean <laughs> I, I think that, I think that it, it, he has to remain vigilant on the COVID front. Uh, there's no question that we've made enormous progress. I'm so proud of our country and the progress we've made in now leading the, the world in uh, vaccines. But there are places, many states, uh, where the vaccine rate is significantly below it. And, 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 and there are warnings from every public health official I've heard uh, that the uh, viruses like the the Delta uh, variant have enormous potential to disrupt the progress we've made. So uh, uh, vigilance is okay. Uh, I, I don't want to hopefully get too draconian about it, but yeah. um, my, my view is uh, he should actually continue to, to stress this because it's the only thing that can reverse the progress the country's making. Jeannie, is Rick correct on that?
5: I do. I think, you know, very difficult for the administration. Once you encourage people to get vaccinations, they've done that very well. Maybe not quite the 70 percent they wanted by 4th of July, but they've done very well on that. You can't then ask them not to celebrate with their families and friends. So you've got to be talking about and mindful of vigilance at all times and keep pushing people to have vaccinations. And And if I could just say I was a little surprised at, at, the, at the press conference, the president's reaction to the questions about Afghanistan, the fact that he doesn't want to talk about it. Today, the United States pulled out of Bagram Air Force Base. Reuters reports part of the World Trade Center is still buried there. And there are people there who are vulnerable still. The president is going to have to answer for what happens there as we pull out. And I was a little bit surprised that he said he wasn't going to talk about that today. He wanted to talk about good news.
1: Yeah, well, and it came up at the press briefing after he did actually answer several questions about Afghanistan before. Uh, cutting things off, if you will, and changing the subject. What would Rick uh, Davis, what would John McCain say about that on this weekend?
8: Uh, he would he would be apoplectic. Uh, he actually uh, made a big deal about the fact that Afghanistan may be one of those examples where a permanent uh, stationing of troops uh, in the country uh, in a in a defensive posture uh, would add to the uh, stability of that country. And so he would very much oppose, uh, a troop withdrawal, as he did uh, yeah. when he was alive. Uh, I would say it is not Independence Day weekend in Cabal. Uh, they are going to go through a very wrenching process, and we have not equipped them uh, with the ability to do it in a in a democratic fashion.
1: Yeah, they very clearly have some things to worry about there. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan, Zeno, and Rick Davis. Always delighted to spend time with you. I hope you both have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. I hope it's a long weekend for both of you, although we're going to pull you into the broadcast on Monday. Thanks for a great week and spending some time with us here on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington wishing you a happy 4th of July. We'll meet you back here Monday. I'm Joe Matthew, and this is Bloomberg.